You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello and welcome to this edition of Justice is Served. Today, the trial of Owen Labrie has ended in a split verdict. But what does this mean for him, for the victim, and for the prestigious prep school? Next, white police officers are slain across the country. Is this a coincidence? Black lives matter, police lives matter, or yet another example of our horrible gun violence problem? And... Uh, another violent shooting in Virginia, this time an orchestrated murder that is broadcast on live television. And lastly, Dr. Dre is on an apology tour as he apologizes for his past domestic violence. Shall we accept his apologies? We'll discuss. This is Sarah Azari, your host of Justice is Served, joined today by my co-hosts Chelsea Galicia and BJ Abram. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. How are we going? All right. I want to welcome uh, BJ back to the show. He appeared here a couple of months ago as a guest, and we had great feedback on the show. And uh, I'm pleased to announce that he's going to be joining us more regularly as a co-host. Um, I think it's really nice to have um, a handsome, intelligent <laughs> male presence on the show <laughs> because it's usually a duo or trio of estrogens. Estrogen, yeah. yes. Beautiful. So Estrogen. it's um, <laughs> thank you. So it's nice to have you. Welcome aboard. And I'm going to turn it over to Chelsea for our first topic of t- today's edition. Great. So our first case is the verdict of the prep school rape trial. So a few weeks ago, we covered here uh, the trial of Owen Labrie, who's now 19 years old. And he was a student of St. Paul's Prep School, the fancy schmancy school uh, where many uh, pol- later politicians come from. And he was accused of raping a freshman student after he invited her over the internet to meet up with him. The two ended up in, I've heard, a roof or an attic. And uh, she says she was raped. And he said that after he put a condom on, he had this moment of divine intervention or clarity and did not go through with it. So he openly sobbed uh, this week as the verdict was read. So the verdict, as Sarah indicated, was split. He was found not guilty of the three most serious felonies, although he was still found guilty of a felony. And that was the um, uh, seducing of a minor using the Internet. But he was also convicted of three misdemeanor sexual assault charges uh, and endangering the welfare of a child. So... He wasn't uh, convicted of statutory rape, some people might think, because in uh, New Hampshire there has to be a four-year difference, and there wasn't in this case here. But he does still face up to 11 years in prison, but there is no minimum. So it could be that he just has um, some serious probation. But perhaps the worst part of this, and definitely something that I want Sarah's take on because she feels so passionately about this, is the sex offender registry list. Uh, So... The first 
thing for me uh, that I thought was interesting was about the evidence that did him in. And as far as I could see, it seemed that the evidence from his classmates Mm -hmm. that testified that he bragged to them about slaying this girl is what did him in. Mm-hmm. Because he tried to say, well, actually, I was lying then when I said that. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I think when a defendant says, I was a liar then, but I'm not a liar now, that doesn't go over where, mm-hmm. very well. And that may have been, I think, the make it or break it. Does anyone else have a thought on what was it that caused this conviction? I mean, I think, I think it's a lot of things. I think that credibility was a big issue, as in many of these cases. I think it, it cut both ways in this case. The jury did not believe the victim when she testified that she only wanted to kiss him and that, you know, it was like a selective consent, basically. That's what I call it. But they also didn't believe Labrie's testimony that um, he didn't have intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they didn't believe, you know, but and the reason he ended up with these misdemeanors is because in New Hampshire, the age of consent is 16 and she was 15 at the time of the sexual conduct. And so um, he had to be he he was found guilty of the um, three counts that that was for the different types of penetration and cunnilingus, apparently. So these three acts ended up in these three misdemeanors, but the jury definitely didn't believe that there was force or fear on the part of this girl, which would have made it a rape. And, and of course, this is a huge, um, I don't want to say victory, but it's, but it's, you know, it's a huge uh, win um, that that he uh, he was spared these felony convictions. Except. But don't forget that, yeah, that one felony conviction that is for luring a minor using a computer to engage in a sexual act is awful. That law was passed to go after the creeps that you would see on Dateline and shows that you that know shows these, their age that they pretended right. To they're be older young. men that yeah. pretend and disguise themselves as younger guys and they meet these girls. That is not to punish teenage sex. I mean, think about how many, forget about the prep school, any high school. I think we talked about this before with Mari. How many uh, hundreds of teenagers in this country are having sex as we speak on their high school campus. You <laughs> know, hope not that many as we speak. Well, they but are I get what in you're cars and in, in places. Okay, so so you know, I have a problem with the fact that this poor kid is convicted of this felony because it, he's branded, he's tattooed, he has to register. I mean, there's, they're saying, okay, after 15 years, he might be spared uh, further registration. But registering one day to appear on a website with serial rapists is a huge, huge big deal. And he's branded. And uh, so that one felony did him in, even if he gets probation. Like you said, he could get probation and not do a day in jail. Right. But at the end of the day, the damage is, is awful for him. So the beginning of the show, when I said, what does it mean for him? It's horrible. He's, he's, the, he's come out of the the worst. Prep St. Paul's Prep School is going to get sued, um, and they, I'm sure, have the money to pay off the victim. And the victim is fine. The victim's uh, spokesperson made a statement that they're satisfied that something, you know, some statement was made. Felony misdemeanor doesn't matter to them. They wanted this culture of this prep school to be exposed, and for other girls, perhaps not to experience this sort of senior salute. So. I mean, I think that even even because you mentioned the 15 years, even if it's 15 years and it goes away, these are 15 pivotal years of his life. These years will establish the rest of his life. So it will definitely have an overreaching He was going to go to Harvard. He was going to be he a could. priest or he, he was going to be something. Along those lines, he was a theology (laughs) major. He wanted to major in theology. It's over. It's over. 
And so um, that's the problem with sex registration. Well, is it over because of the sex registration? And maybe because he's a, a high-profile, not a high-profile person, but comes from a high-profile school where many politicians came from, that maybe this will get the attention of the politicians enough to say these laws were not enacted to uh, prosecute so kids like him. They and are they are so going to do something about yeah. it. They're overreaching, and there's it's a double whammy here. One is that he is um, subjected to this this you know first of all that the the conviction that he has that felony that he has that law was not intended to punish uh you know teenage and they sex. are going to appeal that on those right grounds. good as they should and 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 I think the second uh you know horrible result in all of this is the sex registration both of those laws I believe are not intended to apply to people like own Labrie. Right. And and maybe now there will be enough attention from the people who sure relate so. to him that it might change. I, I, I hope so, too. I yeah. hope so, too. And I think, you know, I, I want to invite our viewers to to share with us, what do you think about sex registration laws? What do you think about the outcome of this case? Was it fair? Did you did you expect otherwise? And what do you think is going to happen with the appeal? And also, what do you think about that dumb law that he's convicted <laughs> of? That, that, that <laughs> She's not trying to persuade you or anything. <laughs> no, not at that all, dumb, right? dumb law that, that he's convicted of that, you know, that basically is for older creeps. What do you think about that? Tweet us, at Azari Law, at Chelsea Gal- Alicia at just BJ Abron. All right. And to switch things up for a moment, way different from the rest of our cases, I want to talk to you about fantasy football now. So last football season, DraftKings.com crowned more millionaires than any other one-week fantasy sports site anywhere. And this season, apparently they're going even bigger, offering a $2 million prize in week one. So there are a total of $10 million up for grabs here, including, like I said, $2 million for first place and $1 $1 million for second place. So this is just one-week fantasy football, so that means you don't have to commit for the whole season. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, and with the players you want. You've never experienced football like this. I've never experienced football like this, but <laughs> after seeing the size of these prize, I might just start. So all you got to do is pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is Draft Kings. Welcome to the big time. So... Since the preseason games are wrapping up and the regular season will kick off soon, you've got to hurry over to DraftKings.com now and use this promo code. Ready for it? It's black to play for a free shot. A free shot at the $2 million top prize in the week one millionaire maker. So again, it's enter black, B-L-A-C-K, for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, now back to the law. So now we've got to cover the really sad cases about police officers that have been killed uh, this week. Two in particular. Uh, One was uh, about 55 miles north of Chicago when a 52-year-old officer, Glenich, radioed to dispatchers that he was um, following three suspects uh, and then... He was found uh, wounded and later died from the gunshot wound. In that case, two of the suspects were white and one black. And then in Houston, a police officer, Darren Goforth, was ambushed when he was filling up his um, police car at the gas station when Miles Shannon came up behind him and shot him dead. 
uh, unloading a total of 15 bullets into him. Miles was arrested and most likely faces the death penalty if convicted. Miles is black and Goforth is white. And uh, the, the reason that I bring up the race of the um, the suspects, perpetrators, and, and the police officers is that there are questions, allegations, pointing fingers at why we have the situation. Is it because of the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, 23 police officers have been killed by gunfire this year with three targeted specifically because they were officers. And in 2014, nine officers were ambushed and killed. And this was a statistic according to law enforcement. So some people are pointing the blame at the Black Lives Matter movement for creating hatred towards the police officers. And I want to know from BJ, do you think there's any truth to that? I can't say that there's any truth to it. Obviously, there's a it's a topic that uh, should be discussed in the wake of all of the... Um, killings that have been taking place in in the birth of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Um, My thing is, if you point the finger, as as these deputies have, at the Black Lives Matter movement, you have to point the finger as to where did the Black Lives Matter movement derive. And it it, it derived out of the killing of innocent or uh, in cases where maybe someone has exactly black men or uh, or individuals of color. And so my, my question is, if you do want to put this off on a Black Lives Matter movement um, and, and you're essentially shunning them for speaking up now, the Black Lives Matter movement has, in large respects, um, hasn't been a violent movement, uh, if any, you know, if any violent acts at all. If you want to correlate it or, you know, relate it to the, the riots that took mm-hmm. place, um, that would be the only incident. And so some my people thing are is, saying that those were not people that were part of the movement. Those were people who were kind of paid to go and create a ruckus. Well, my understanding is the Black Lives Movement is dates back to Martin Luther King and that it was just revamped um, after the Ferguson incident and then so on and so forth. You know, Michael, um, I'm sorry, um, Michael Eric Michael Garner, Brown. Eric Eric Garner, Michael Brown, and what we've witnessed since last summer. Um, but every two and a half days, a police officer is killed on the line of duty, and I don't see this as having to do with Black Lives Matter. Um, I think to make to to convey my position on this, I'd say Black Lives Matter too. All lives matter, okay? Um, and I think the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, as it revamped since last summer, it's that hello, Black Lives Matter right. too, exactly. okay? Um, and so, uh, but I see this as a problem that we have, and I'm going to talk about it later in a different on a different topic. Is it's a gun control problem? And if you look at a country like England, and I just take that as an example, England does not send out its police officers. I'm, I'm, when I say gun control, I'm not saying limit the access just to the citizens, but also limit it to police officers. Because in England, police officers don't just patrol with, with guns at their waist, okay? Right. Um, they call for units when it's necessary. And guess what? Our um, gun murders in this country are 30% higher than in England. I mean, we have a serious problem. And we have this guy, you mentioned um, the Shannon Miles, the suspect of who emptied out the entire magazine in the head of this deputy. He ambush, ambushed him like execution style. And so when you have a guy like that who has a history of mental illness, who was incompetent to stand trial in a past case, I mean, it's documented, um, you know, 
and you say, oh, well, he was just mentally ill. He could have done it with a knife. He could have done it with a machete. Okay, you're missing the point because he did it with a gun. Okay, so if we can control access to guns, we control access to guns by everyone, mentally sane, mentally insane, whatever the case may be. That is the problem. It's the gun. It's because different nations have mentally ill people, you know, to to some degree or another, but they don't have this gun violence issue. I mean, this has become the crime du jour. Every day there's 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 gun violence in this country. I mean, I think gun violence obviously is a huge issue. Huge. Um, but you have to look at the motive as to why these killings are taking place. And, sure. and that's where the conversation of the Black Lives Matter sure. or the All Lives Matter comes into play. But how do we know it's the it's because the deputy was white versus he was a deputy in uniform? We don't know. This guy might just hate cops. But that's what that's what <laughs> More a thing tie in. Because even when you talk about the black the Black Lives Matter circumstance, um, it's a twofold conversation. Right. There's a conversation about racism and discrimination on behalf of the police and on behalf of white cops against black cops. Right. There's also a conversation that has to be had in regards to just the police department in general and the philosophies and you know everything that goes into the culture of the police department and how they uh, generate and bring up officer young officers to have these depictions of certain people and then they target them have these biases how they're trained to have these biases yeah and i think you know uh, for a whole year these incidents one after another that we've been talking about across the nation of course this has fueled a lot of animosity in people against law enforcement a lot of distrust a lot of antagonism you know and i think i mean i wouldn't be surprised if somebody irrespective of color just goes you know what that a whole cop you know i'm just going to kill him right you know so that's the question well, and then and then another question for me and one thing that i actually piqued my interest um Today, this morning, is the manhunt that's going on for the for killers the second of this officer, officer. from the and, in uh, Chicago, right? Right. And, and so when I cor- when I tie that back to the killing in Texas and the statements that were made by those deputies saying that it's not about black lives, it's not about any other, it's about all lives that matter, right? But I do see a difference when a police officer is killed and the amount of uh, ammunition. How they these guys are out in tactical uniforms mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. we speak right now, engaging a many full agencies, force, many federal agencies, yeah, right. local agencies. They're going so hard to find these people. And if all lives are equal, if all lives matter, then it should be the same regardless if it's a police officer. It should be the same regardless if it's one of us. Uh, it doesn't matter because all lives matter. But mm-hmm. I think we do see a difference. No, That's we definitely don't see uh you know a bunch of agencies with tactical uniforms if it's michael brown or right. someone like that but um but yeah That's you have a great point. point yeah yeah okay Shall all right so okay i'm gonna pick up with yet another example of gun violence this time at an affiliate station of abc news in virginia last week as chelsea was covering this show um a deranged former I should say begrudged employee, um, wannabe reporter of the station who was terminated two years ago, showed up uh, on the field as two other reporters, Allison Parker and Adam uh, Adam Ward, were covering a story not about violence, not about race, nothing to do with being gay even because the suspect was gay and African-American, but about tourism. Okay, And he ambushed them and he stood there for several minutes, in fact, called Allison Parker a bitch and, uh, and shot the cameraman and Allison to death. Let's take a quick look at this video. It is it is very graphic. It is very chilling. So I just want to warn our viewers. We're saying tourism. We want the people that come here to say that was... 
All right. So, uh, you know, really dramatic, awful stuff. And uh, what what his this, the suspect's name was Vester Flanagan, aka Bryce Williams. I don't know which name I prefer more, but Bryce Williams was his on-air name, and he um, was African American, forty-one years old, and gay. And this was a guy who was a professional victim. He had a lifelong list of grievances. It, you just couldn't be around him. It didn't matter what you said or did. He would take it either as racial discrimination or sex sex discrimination because he was gay. He felt demeaned by his father. He felt demeaned by other black men because of his sexual preference. And he was um, constantly making claims against former employers, including this station, for racial discrimination when, in fact, these claims were um, unwarranted. And uh, so two years ago, he, he worked for the station for one year. They let him go because of performance issues, because of behavioral he issues. He couldn't get along with people. He couldn't get along with anyone. People were very uncomfortable around him, and he would constantly cry that that he's being discriminated against based on race or sex. So he was let go two years ago and he shows up at this location. Uh, apparently he'd still maintained contact with some of the people at the station. He showed up at this location and killed these two people. He then as though it wasn't enough that it was televised on on live television, he used a GoPro-style camera and recorded it himself and then put it on his Facebook and linked it to his Twitter. Of course, Twitter and Facebook immediately took down his, his profiles. But it was as though he was saying, I'm the hero of my own revenge horror film, okay? And um, he then caused a 21-page fax uh, manifesto to be sent to the ABC headquarters in New York, And in that fax, he essentially uh, stated that he was, I say, inspired by Columbine High School, the Columbine High School massacre, the Virginia Tech massacre, and most recently what put him over the edge, and he says, you know, he exploded, was the church shooting in the first Amy Church in Charleston, South Carolina. So uh, two days after that, he went and bought a gun. Okay, that's just legally. as easy as that. Yeah. Legally, he went and bought a gun. Now, granted, he doesn't have a rap sheet. He doesn't have a history of mental illness, but I can guarantee you he's not mentally well. And um, he, he said that he uh, this case caused him to kill his cats in the forest. So I think that's immediate surefire. You mean when he was fired from his job? Right. right. So when yeah. you start killing animals, that's a surefire indication right. He definitely of had a history illness. of mental illness. But again, we go back to this, uh, you know, this overlap of mental illness and guns. It's not about, it's a cop-out to say it's because he's mentally ill. It's because he's mentally ill and has access to guns. So much so that two days after this, uh, he was pissed off about this, you know, white kid who goes in and commits this hate crime at the First Amy Church. And he decides, okay, that's it. I've had enough of racism. You know, I've had enough hurt. Okay, so here here are some questions I have for you guys um, that, that this raises for me, this this professional victim named Vester Flanagan. Um what you know, we we all see workplace violence. Doesn't matter whether you're self-employed or you clock in and clock out, whatever it is. Um, there's always that fear that somebody will come in and, no pun intended, will go postal, right? Um, and and either a begrudged employee or an un- unhappy client, whoever it might be. But how do you secure your workplace? 
Uh, what do you do to secure your I don't work? know, but when you find out the answer to that, will you let me know? <laughs> because it doesn't appear that there's any clear answer well, to that. But, but you know what? Uh, I mean, you can do background checks. You can screen people. You can do the x-ray machine at the entrance of the station. But like station. you said, this guy didn't have anything that would have shown up on a, exactly. on a background check. Exactly, and that's check. my point. And, that, and, and my point is also that he left two years ago. Right, like, exactly. you know, the NRA people, the crazies, and the and Rush Limbaugh say, you know what? Arm those uh, journalists. Right. Have security and armed. Allison Parker's dad said, I know that they're going to say that. And he said, if Allison or Adam had been carrying an AK-47 right. around their waist, it wouldn't have made any difference. Because they didn't know this guy's coming. They couldn't have seen it coming. Right. That's exactly so what the, her dad said. So the said. point is, is that more guns is not the answer to gun violence. Well, but we see, have I somebody kinda, here that I disagrees. have a different opinion on that. Um, <laughs> and it's because of a number of reasons. Um, statistics is one thing that. Are you an NRA guy? I would not. I, I wouldn't show. classify myself as specifically an NRA guy, but I do uh, favor some so of the. I forgot to ask that question before I welcomed him on the show. What kind of screening process, right? right. Software screening process. This is, is workplace violence. All right, do tell, do tell. Let's see. So, so my thing is, um, you know, although the, if they were equipped with weapons, right. Um, in this particular circumstance, it may not have presented, uh, excuse me, prevented what mm-hmm. took place. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it could have been another t- deterrence factor. The way I look at um, the weapons is, and Chelsea and I had a, a talk previously, is that if someone wants to commit a murder, a, such an act uh, as taking the life of another human being, they are not going to be stopped by a, a gun law, period. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to the black market. They're going to find the weapon of their choice that they need because there is access. Yeah, but 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 giving the guns away like it's candy, okay? It it's we're facilitating it. So I'm just saying let's not let's not make it easier. Let's make it more difficult, okay? Let's you know because the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and you know, don't forget the well-regulated <laughs> militia part. It right. drives me insane yeah, when people quote to protect the yourself and, and to forget pre- the well-regulated militia part. Right, but but listen, but 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 you know, the the gun that's supposed to protect me or me help me protect you. We don't see, and I know that obviously it's not as sensational as gun violence in, in, in the media, but those examples are few and far in between. What well, really happens is this type of, you know, theater shooting, school shooting, church shooting, you know, reporter shooting. And home shooting. And but home I, I, shooting. Can't, I can't say that those And police events, officer shootings. I can't say that they would not have occurred. If this person did not have a, a legal access to a it's weapon, they could have Later or yeah. would more difficult... I think it would make a difference with the numbers. Absolutely. And I think that, and I'm not super well-versed on this, but I feel that the black market for guns is related to the drug trade. And if we sure. ended our war on drugs, we would probably close many of the channels that Some guns channels. are coming in from. So, and right. I, and I, I, it would, it would be great to be more like England, but we also have to remember, like, England's a giant island. So they have a different, um, um, the, they have more control, better control over what comes in. And yeah, but out. I'm just using that as an example. I mean, Congress can't stop every crime, can't stop every crime with a knife or every crime with a, you know, with a hand, with a right. car. But at least we can carve out this huge chunk of of our violent um, incidents in this country, which is 
through the use yeah. of guns. And I heard one great idea. I wonder what you guys think of this. It's uh, The idea was to require uh, guns to be insured the way that we as drivers of vehicles mm-hmm. have to have insurance. And so if we had to have insurance that covered, you know, negligence or, or death of somebody else, then the insurance companies would figure out a way to reduce the number of deaths and I'm accidents. I'm sorry, whose idea is this? Yours? Or? I, I, oh. I, no, I wish I could claim uh, credit oh, for this. You, but it, you I came across this, this report. Okay. Yeah, so if we, if every gun owner had to carry insurance and, you know, if but the that's, insurance that's, companies had to... But that's had, a form of gun control. That's this is a right. form. But does that reduce the killing? That's well, a, it, well, it will. Insurance gonna, companies have a massive it control more over our behavior. Yeah. <sighs> that's one way. Right. I don't know. All right. All right, moving on to a um, little bit of a lighter story. Dr. <laughs> Dre, <slightly. laughs> Dr. Dre is on an apology tour apologizing for, for his past domestic violence um, involving his former girlfriends many, many years ago. He, uh, of course, this came about, the apology was delivered uh, a week ago, but this came about because um, the multi-million dollar movie blockbuster Straight Outta Compton was released in the middle of August and immediately critics stated that this is not the uh, this is such a varnished polished version of the NWA what happened to all the stories about Dr. Dre beating up his women so Dr. Dre responded and said hey um, you know I'm sorry for hurting everybody that I hurt I was young I was 25 years old I was over my head I was drinking booze I was an alcoholic essentially and I apologize for the damage that I've caused and by the way today I'm married for 19 years I have children I try to be a better man so you know um, two of his girlfriends have had different responses. Michelet, who's, I, I just learned who she was. I didn't know who she was, but she's a musician, apparently. Michelet says, uh, bullshit, okay? This is not sincere. This is, um, you're doing this in, in the context of this movie. You're doing damage control. This is driven by pecuniary interest in the film and its and its ratings. Um, so, you know, you don't even name us. You know, it's not personal. It's not a personal amend. So forget about this apology. Um, D. Barnes, however, who, who I, you know, I, I, I believe, um, I mean, I, I agree with her. She says, you know what? Amen. I'm good with this apology. At least he's apologizing. And, um, my position is, you know what? An apology is better than none. Okay. I think, I think people usually something triggers, but without this movie, maybe he would have never apologized. Bill Cosby hasn't apologized, you know, but, um, but I think that it, it, we talked about Mark Wahlberg. And him trying to get a pardon, and then it was because he was trying to get a restaurant chain. Obviously, he needed something. Usually, people do this when they want something or they're doing damage control. But at the end of the day, an apology is better than no apology. So what do you guys think? Apology accepted? At first, when I read this, I said... Yeah, I mean, let, let the apology. And yeah, the, the movie was already no, long enough. No, what do you enough. mean? Yeah, what? The, it, it was enough. The apology yeah. was enough. Let's yeah. all move on. And and I saw the movie, and it doesn't touch on it at all. Right. It, it makes Dr. Dre look like the, the smart guy, the guy who's above it all. He, like, comes in, the barges in the room. Not when, completely. When Suge is... Well, he was there. I mean, he there, punched the guy in a, mo- in a movie. But there was nothing against women. That was... And right. when, when there were some crazy scene going down well, with Suge in it, he breaks in and it was like, what the F no, is going there on was here? A this scene, is about the music. There was a scene at a party with a lot of women. It was like debauchery. And the critics were saying, uh, this is so disrespectful. This is misogynistic. It's disrespectful. Well, and that's I, what happened. If that's what happened, 
fine. Put it in the movie. The problem is leaving out the things that put him in a negative light that also happened. And I would have said that the apology is enough, except when I was reading um, that the the consequences of these women um, being beat up had long, long, long consequences. They were, one of them was blacklisted from the industry, couldn't get work again. So she claims. This, this, um, this director of the movie was actually around back in the day when things were going down. And he also um, didn't give her a job when it came to another project. Um, right. And so if there were long-term damages... Then just a, oops, I'm sorry, is not enough. If he really ruined these women's careers, uh, credibility. So you don't accept his apology. I, I would say that if if he is apologetic and he does think that he can see how the consequences of what he did 20, 25, 30 years ago had lifelong consequences. I hope that he uh, compensates them for that. And then I think the apology well, would be sufficient. Well, it's interesting because I Googled uh, Dr. Dre donation, charitable contribution, charity. I put a bunch of keywords in there <laughs> and nothing came up. Right. I was hoping to see a big fat check to the battered women's shelter, um, some volunteer work, something. I didn't see it, but I still accept his apology. I mean, that would have been we nice to see. Up. I mean, it's easy for us to, to say that that's but, enough. If the victims, but it takes a lot of courage, okay? Even if you're doing it, it for money, it takes a lot of courage to come forward and say, because it's no longer these women alleging that this happened to them. The minute you apologize, that means you're saying, yes, but, I did this. But he couldn't to d- deny it. I, I think that there wasn't any uh, issue as to whether he had done it. It was it was kind of known. So he would be like, yeah, I did it. Who the F cares? But, or, yeah, I did it. Sorry. I mean, he, he can't. He would but, lose But too even much. if it's known, it's one thing when he you come... He still could have denied it. Right. He could have done or said nothing. Right. Or said nothing. And, and to me, I give him credit for the apology, even if... It, see, I see a difference between a public apology, which is what he's done, and a personal amends, which is going individually to these women, doing things for them, but helping see, their careers. some people would have criticized him for doing that because he didn't want to go public with it. Right. Some people would have said that yeah, exactly. you went to them individually. Good point. You should have went to the media and let everyone know what actually happened. Or both. Or both. Right. My thing is, this was a two-hour and 45-minute right. film. Right, exactly. Listen, and it wasn't it, about it was Dr. Trek. It was about or the individual NWA. Member. I heard that, but then the woman said, "Yeah, but NWA was around. They were there. They condoned it. It wasn't just Dre. They but, were." But do we think that there were more it. things that they could have said about Easy? More things about Ice Cube? There were a slew of things that I'm sure they could have how said about, about each How about individual. all of these Easy Easy activities that led to him getting AIDS? Right. How about that? Well, they exactly. did kind of no, cover they that. Just, they, just, they just showed him having AIDS and dying. But they, they didn't talk. But they, they didn't showed go him about the crazy parties where the they were having is, sex. The director, I love what the director said. He said, I could have chosen five different versions of this. I chose this one. It's what are you going to do about it? You know, and, and, and by the way, Oprah, who is so anti-domestic violence and protective of women's rights, didn't have a problem. And that's doc- huge. And that's huge, right? So Although I pre- I'm not sure we've heard any comment from her. Right. Since um, since these the allegations, yeah, yeah. Well, she gave the movie two thumbs up, and I, I mean, I'm sure Oprah's pretty well aware <laughs> that Dr. Dre <laughs> was not know. a good boy years ago. Um, but you know, the the other um, uh, to me, the big picture about this movie, and I'm curious to hear about from you, uh, BJ, is the big picture here is the culture of rap in the 80s and the culture of police brutality. Because as we've been seeing these incidents over the past year, this is a reminder for all of us that this is not new. 
Okay. Somehow we think that, oh my God, all these police brutality cases and uh, color of law violations are popping up across the nation. However, this is a reminder, and I think the movie was timed perfectly, its release, that this was going on in the 80s on the streets of Compton. So do you think that the movie is a sort of a true depiction of what was happening? Because you grew up in Compton, right? Born and raised. I Perfect. think it was a Straight great depiction. Compton. Straight out of Compton. Straight out of And on Justice is served. Woo. I think it was a great depiction. And like you said, it was timely as well. Right. Um, and, and, and my first time coming on the show, I talked about my colorblind laws piece in which I introduced it or, or led into the piece with the scenario that, you know, where I was discriminated against by the mm-hmm. police. Mm-hmm. And there has been a number of instances in my life where I'm, I've literally been pushed in the mud mm-hmm. by the police just for hanging out in the projects. Um, and these things took place so often. Right. It's like you said, it's not new. It's nothing new. We've always known that this took, mm-hmm. has taken Just place. Just now that there are cameras and the rest of us who aren't in those areas have now been able to see because it. Because of social right. media. Like, but it's been ex- in existence. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yeah. And, you know, um, I mean, yeah, you know, the, 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 I guess the way to put it is that the apology that comes when there's a pecuniary interest in something is not the most gracious. But, at the end of the day, it's still an apology. But the second question I have for you guys is, um, do you think that, you know, once a batter, always a batter, once a drug addict, always a drug addict? No, I mean, no. and that's what I was going to touch bases with. Listen, I mean, in our justice system, who can sit here and say that they don't? That's right. the whole point of it, right? Well, a lot of people, the prosecutors I deal with, they Well, do. I mean, prosecutors <laughs> are a different... Your client's you know, a batter, okay? <laughs> when Look, was, this is just the only incident, you know? This was 25 years right. ago. I mean, have we seen any incidents since? He's been married 19 years. Right. I haven't heard any complaints from his wife about right. it. I can accept the fact that he's likely a changed man. Right. And if I can't, I mean, come on, what am I holding on to? Well, we, we embrace rehabilitation. We reward well, we should, rehabilitation. Yeah, and most of us do. And I think as a society, as much as we, you know, we kind of like to see a good fall, we also like to see a good comeback story. So right. I think that, and I think in his case, you know, this was sort of a period in his life where he was getting drunk and stupid. And by the way, most of these domestic violence cases are alcohol induced. Either both people or one of them has been drinking. So I, I, you know, nine out of 10 of domestic violence cases involve drinking or drugs and they're not sober. Okay. They don't have, because you get into an argument. If you're sober, you usually can sort of cool off and leave. It's when you're, you know, you're under the influence and you start reacting with objects and fists and things of that sort. So it's, I, I see what happened with him. And I do believe like you that, that he has turned his life around. Um, I have not said that he did not turn his life around, but what I said was that sincerity, the apology, the, the, I don't think the apology fit the crime. Okay. You wanted more. Yeah. Right. And I think he could more from him. Right. I, I think he's capable, able, right. And it very well could. And I, um, I wonder what, too late. I wonder if Apple's going to drop the S at the end of Beats. No, come on. That's <laughs> Beat by Dre. So, beat, yeah, because Beats could have a whole other meaning. But, you know, we're curious to hear from our viewers. Um, uh, I don't know if we asked you to tweet about gun control and those issues, but definitely share your views on that um, by tweeting us. And also tweet us about your views on Dr. Dre's apology. Was it sincere? Do you believe in rehabilitation? Do you think he's a changed man? And what did you think? of the movie straight out of Compton was it really about that big picture that we we talked about um, and and color of law violations or did you see it, it 
as some sort of a varnished version of the lives of the members of NWA. You can tweet me at Azari Law, at Chelsea Galicia, at Just BJ Abrin. And that brings us to the close of uh, today's edition of Justice is Served. We thank you so much for joining us, and we will invite you back to see us next week right here on Justice is Served. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.